You are listening to the Evolution Exchange, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Asia. I'm Sid, and I help connect businesses with the best tech talent in the industry, and today I'm your host. Joining us is Gordon Toh, the Chief Revenue Officer of Cosmos. And Cosmos AI is uh, a company that connects the best offline and online uh, companies to create seamless experiences for shoppers and increase sales for retailers. Headquartered in Singapore, they have offices in Paris, Poland, Hong Kong, Shanghai, and Tokyo. Their flagship shopping platform, Kaikai, uses AI analytics to track in-store food traffic and engage with their shoppers online. They recently raised a funding round that was led by the Neo Foundation that valued them at 500 million US dollars, so congrats on that. And today we're going to be discussing the topic of empowering our youth in the workplace. And this is something that Gordon is extremely passionate about and has thought a lot about, and we're really glad to have him join us today. And as a quick disclaimer before we take things further, all thoughts and views expressed by Gordon and myself are that of our individuals and not of our organizations. So with that out of the way, let's get things started. So Gordon, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are now. Cool. Thanks very much, Sid. Uh, very happy to be here today uh, to share a little bit more with uh, the audiences. Uh, my name is Gordon. Uh, I am a Singaporean, uh, born and bred here, and uh, currently I'm the Chief Revenue Officer for Cosmos Group. Um, I'm also a co-founder of our app KaiKai, uh, which is available in Singapore uh, in itself. I take care of basically everything to do with the business partnerships uh, uh, and things around uh, the, the world in itself. Um, before Cosmos, I was at a company called Meltwater. Um, it's a global leader in media intelligence. I was formerly uh, the uh, managing director for Southeast Asia on the client acquisition side. and uh, was with them for over six past years as well. Yeah. Awesome. So I know from our previous conversation, you know, your journey to become an MD and all of those, quite extraordinary given you started out as a fresh grad. Uh, tell us a bit more about that, that journey and how that has influenced how you got to where you are now. I think firstly, right, I just got to uh, thank uh, the Meltwater crew, like the management and all that uh, for giving me the opportunity, right? When I first graduated, uh, I graduated from uh, NTU, from the Weekly Week School of uh, Communications and Information. And um, yes, I had great results uh, to most uh, so-called paper cert kind of, cert kind of like qualifications, but you know, I didn't have a lot of experience, right? Um, and especially you know, building businesses and all that, you do have to have a certain level of business acumen. Um, experience and whatnot, right? So they gave me a chance to prove myself, uh, which I took very, very seriously um, and, you know, managed to kind of like, you know, be promoted a few times. I think I'm, I'm not the only person uh, that, you know, became a managing director at a young age. I think Meltwater, um, you know, I, I believe now as well would have a mentor that, you know, they want to develop young leaders, uh, but also people who are relevant, very hungry, uh, build a great culture. And for me, uh, that suited very, very well. When I first started my first job, I was I applied to quite a, a few places as well, to be honest. Um, your usual suspects, your big companies. I, I did get um, offers. But, you know, on the midst of like, you know, signing the contract, I, I, I thought about it again. I went for a grad trip and things like that and get a lot of perspectives, right? About what I wanted to do with my life and how I could really uh, impact and contribute to society. And also at the same time, build a good career for myself and for my future family. And and for me, culture was very important. The people that, that's going to lead you, is going to, you know, inculcate values into you and that coach you was very important. So from there, you know, it was very, very nicely uh, placed uh, for, for me. It took me quite a while to find a company. I remember I graduated probably in June of uh, that year and I, 
I only started working in October. So I would say, you know, don't rush into things. Uh, and it will pay off when the moment you have the right type of uh, mentality and, you know, kind of at least from a values perspective and, and kind of like what you want to do in general perspective. Uh, that's a good beginning in itself. Yeah. Okay. And I guess, you know, you, you made it to MD and then uh, you got that opportunity as a young leader, right? And then now you're here as a CRO. And there are not many CROs at your age. Uh, I guess, tell us how you got into this and, and what made you kind of sign up for this journey. Yeah, and that's, a, that's another another interesting one, that's it. So uh, being a CRO, I mean, CRO for a lot of people, they might not even know what it means. Uh, it means Chief Revenue Officer. Basically, your job is to really uh, scale the businesses to ensure that we are getting much more business, not only from a gross revenue perspective, but also from a net revenue perspective, which especially uh, in this day and age and in tech, right, is simply the, the thing to do, right? Um, but uh, fortunately for me, you know, it has always been about profitability and things like that. Uh, but if you're in SaaS industry, you will have heard of things such as Rule 40, outside of Ibiza, of course, uh, and things like that in itself, renewability, MR, ARR. So those things were... Are, are very obvious to me because I, I, I was taught that way and then things like that. But there are many companies who uh, are maybe not as familiar to some of these terms. Um, and, you know, from the track record that we were building at that point in time, right, and not water, Southeast Asia, we were doing very, very well from a both client success and new business as well as enterprise perspective. And, uh, you know, the, the founder of, of, of Cosmos had connected with me for a couple of years. And, you know, during... Uh, during the COVID-19 period, right, uh, you know, he had reached out for, for a coffee and then we chatted and things like that. Uh, he was not the only person that reached out, funny enough. There were other bigger companies, more established ones. They were very skilled up ones as well. But I felt that Cosmos, what Cosmos was doing um, and also at the same time, what the vision was really uh, aligned very, very much. I, mean, I knew there was going to be a lot of hard work. There's going to be blood, sweat and tears, as they call it. Uh, but, you know, I'm not afraid to, to try new things that make sense, right? And I want to make sure that, that it's a constant journey that we're learning. Like you mentioned, I'm still relatively young for a business guy. Um, there's a lot for me to learn still, you know, even though I can contribute a lot, uh, there's so much more uh, that meets the eye. And I think that's kind of why I decided to, you know, kind of like join Cosmos as well. Okay. And tell us a bit more about Cosmos. Like, what do they do? Cosmos is interesting, right? So... Firstly, let me tell you all a little bit of what why Cosmos is named Cosmos, right? So, uh, if you look up the, the definition of what cos uh, Cosmos is, it's basically uh, we go into uh, astronomy and all these things, right? It's basically a universe. So, Cosmos believes in connecting online and offline. We're not just offline or not just online, but really being able to connect both online and offline in the most seamless way possible, right? As other companies do a lot of online via cookies and whatnot, I think that is something that is very important uh, back in the day and still today. Uh, but we keep talking about a cookie-less world. I mean, this is something that a lot of companies have been talking about. Apple have talked about it and so on, so on and so forth. We were thinking far ahead. How can we make this somewhat connecting online to offline behaviors itself? But also, we are not in the business of selling data and things like that. Privacy is extremely important. So we're fully compliant with things like GDPR, uh, PDPA, things like that as well. So if we were able to kind of like combine both worlds, so the online cosmos and the offline cosmos together via osmosis, we then can create a very, very good plan, right? For people who want to do advertising, people who want to understand a certain level of, uh, of uh, behaviors on an anonymized 
a level in, in itself. In the industry, there are you know players that are doing that in different parts of the world. We know them pretty well, uh, but we we do we do not want to just focus on just advertising per se because advertising dollars are high, but there are many many areas where one can add value uh, to the to the society and to the larger ecosystem in tech as well. So that's what Cosmos actually mean uh, in itself, and that's um, you know our our main business. We we call it Cosmos Media. So we help. Uh, you know, many brands, uh, luxury brands, uh, you know, fast fashion brands and whatnot, uh, to understand where what people would prefer. So I think when you get an ad today, you get quite irritated. Oh, it's an ad. Oh, I want to press it away. I want to continue doing. I want to continue to watch my YouTube video and whatnot, right? But what if the ad is somewhat relevant but still not that intrusive, right? That's kind of like something that would, to a new generation person like me, I would highly like it. I just don't want to be bombarded by a million ads that don't make any sense at all. So I think that's kind of what we want, what we uh, have achieved, and we have done it with many global companies uh, such as Estee Lauder, uh, LVMH, and so on and so forth, right? And we are still working with them very, very well across it in itself. Um, but of course, when I first joined, that was the only business. My goal as the chief revenue officer is to scale, make more money, but sustainably as well, right? So uh, you mentioned about the the company getting a five hundred million. That's something that uh, the whole team is very proud of. It's a group effort. Uh, taking leadership from our CEO uh, as well and our board. Uh, but we, we managed to do that not by chance. We did not just continue to do what we continued, what we started out with before the pandemic. Um, during the pandemic, um, we sat down as a leadership team um, and we decided that we, we wanted to understand people a bit more. We want to understand uh, if I'm a brand, how would it work? We also want to add value to users, to, to, to people, the everyday person, right? What do they want? So we then created the idea of why don't we set, set up our own app? And at the end of the day, it was a long story. We decided to come out uh, with an app called Kaikai, and I, I named it Kaikai as well. Uh, it's reminiscent to our Singaporean way of calling it like Kaikai, going up, right? But we, we wanted it to be a bit more global. We have big ambitions to launch globally, but it will not be kind of like an app that does like e-commerce or just delivery or something like that. We want focus on our core, which is omnichannel, right? Online to offline, all to all create a great experience for users, great experience for brands whereby they, they don't need to just snatch prizes all the time. It will be part of the, the ecosystem, of course, right? There will be ads, there will be this and that, but we want to create something whereby we are able to inculcate to people that, you know, there is a reason to go out to certain mall, certain place, try out this new place, right? Help out the local stores, but also at the same time, give good enough premium space for companies who uh, deserve that space in itself. And that's why we created Kai Kai. Um, and in Chinese, right, kai kai means kai kai means like opening up. We want businesses to open up during that height of the pandemic when we launched uh, in June two years ago. And we are today. We, we started out with literally my CEO, co-founder, and myself, uh, a bunch of interns, uh, and a head of marketing. Today, we've scaled the team quite massively, and we're very proud to say that we have worked with some of uh, the the largest brands, but also very cool uh, uh, local brands as well in Singapore. Yeah. Fantastic and congrats on the success that you've enjoyed so far, but I know this is just scratching the surface. Um, a big part of your role as a CRO is also to build out your team, like a strong commercial team that's going to drive you. So important, yeah, so important. And we spoke about this and uh, building teams is not easy, it's never easy. Um, and I know for you, a, a big part of that is empowering youth, which is what we have to speak, to speak about as well. So, what is your philosophy on building teams, and why are you so important? Yeah, I think I think my my philosophy of uh, building teams uh, 
also has a part of the DNA in terms of all my, my shared experiences with different parts of my life. So I used to play a lot of football. Some of you all call it soccer, but it's football. <laughs> um, and I played it at a, quite a competitive level um, with uh, clubs and school and things like that. So that taught me a, lo- a lot about camaraderie, teamwork. Everybody has a position, right? Whether you're a goalkeeper, you're a striker, you're a bench warmer, everybody has a position to play. Um, that, that was one experience. My military experience taught me a lot about tactfulness, about being able to be very serious, disciplined and whatnot. University taught me about a lot about being consistent, uh, working with different kind of personalities. It's an interesting time uh, uh, in university because it was the first time I went to that type of environment. Before that, it was more like, you know, like you second primary school, secondary school, JC, and then it was a bit different, right? Um, and, and most importantly, I would say my time at Northwater really uh, taught me a lot as well. And, and uh, the Meltwater's founder, uh, Johan Lysigen, uh, you know, always believes that culture uh, is strategy for breakfast. And that really trickles, trickles down throughout all the organizations uh, around the world for Meltwater. And for me, at a point in time, as a young uh, business person, um, eventually became a, a leader. Uh, that was very strongly ingrained, right? I think what Johan always told me was that, you know, there needs to be two things uh, in, in, uh, in, in an organization that to make people uh, really, really believe in the organization, believe in the product and all that. And it's not about the traditional things, but about strategy and things like that too much, right? That comes in later on, t- tactically. But the two things is this, right? Number one, you need to make people feel loved and safe, right? Um, again, this is not from me. This is taken from uh, Mr. Yon Um And why? Because if people feel loved and safe by that immediate environment, they won't like feel, oh my gosh, this person's going to backstab me. There's going to be sharp elbows. You know, somebody will be backing them instead of giving them a little bit of a, of, a, of a backstab, right? So then people will go to war for you, right? They believe in it. They go to, 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 together with it like a sports team. And that's what we, we do at Cosmos as well. That, that was something very similar that I really like uh, about, about Cosmos. And, and I continued when I go, went in uh, to really push this uh, to the next level. That's number one, very importantly. And for young people, right, we need to understand that there's this thing of instant gratification. Right? I think more and more so we are seeing it in different places now. People want to earn things very quickly. They want to get promoted. They are moving around quickly and all that. But is it really their fault? I mean, we have social media. We have a lot of different things. That it's very competitive now. You want to do better for yourself, right? But in order for us to keep people for a longer point in uh, place in time, outside of like things like salary and all that, I think it's very important to ensure that the person has a sense of mastery, right? And we acknowledge that sense of mastery as well, right? Be able to celebrate quick wins, big and small wins and... and that's how we can really kind of build an uh, entire team that will go uh, to war together, be it tough or good times. I think that's really what I believe in. And I, from my experience, uh, young people uh, from university, even for polytechnic, right? Uh, you'll be surprised how good they are. Like they might not have the experience that we're looking for at five, 10 years and all that. They might not have the context, right? Um, but they do have the drive, the hunger, and also at the same time, the ability to listen if you are able to really communicate and connect with them in the right ways. Yeah, awesome. And I guess, you know, there's always going to need, there's always going to be a need to have a diversity of talent within your team set. You know, age is also part of that diversity, right? So sometimes when you bring on, you know, slightly more experienced workers who have kind of done things their own way, they've been very successful. And, you know, you have to kind of build a cohesive cohesive team around that when you're working with both youth and more experienced folks. How do you navigate those intergenerational differences 
to get them to be on the same page and work towards the same goals? That's a great question, uh, Sid. I think I think the first thing we need to think about, right, is at what stage of growth is your company, right? Assumption, right? Let's say your company is like literally just at seed funding, like you have like five to ten people. Like culture is extremely, extremely important, right? At every stage is important, but at small amount of people, you can change culture quite quickly if you want to. Right, you need to decide and be clear in terms of what your motto, your vision, but also the day-to-day culture. What what is that, right? For me and and, and um, you know the most people around me, we believe that culture is basically what you are doing where people are not looking, right? Where people are not looking, where you're working at home, where you're working overseas, you are when you are taking that MC and all that. Like, are you representing the company properly, right? I think that's really important. And of course, like free beers, free lunch, and all that helps here and there. We don't see too much of that these days, but. Really, really uh, inculcating it from a red. Starts with the leaders. The leaders need to define it clearly. It needs to be uh, then spread downwards and then reflected from bottom up, left to right. And when you have that, right, you then are able to really see that, okay, this is the culture I've built. I do not want to have people who will break my social fabric. But also at the same time, we do not want people to get into groupthink, right? Whereby everybody just thinks the same way and have no so-called devil's advocate, lack for a better word. Right? There always needs to be people who would kind of like want to debate if there's good reason for debate um, and we concur on something and decide and act, action on it quickly, right? So when it comes to that in itself, usually the more uh, matured folks, they have all the experience and all that and this is where they come in to give, become devil's advocate. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing because it allows us to learn from not only just our zeal, our passion and our vision, but certain level of data or data uh, but also at the same time, projects that have worked will have not worked uh, in itself. Beyond that, it's also extremely important for um, for the leaders, right, to be speaking to some of these senior hires. They would be senior, right? And I think it becomes comes quite complicated. Are they in sales? Are they in non-sale roles, right? If they are in sales, they, are, they can can be individual contributor role, or are they like a like a leader, manager, director role? All needs to be handled differently. But the entire net, right, needs to be focused on. This is our culture. You need to be part of this culture. You need to inculcate this culture. And you need to make sure that they themselves, right, are fully believing in it. Not to force themselves into it, but fully believing in it and slowly and gradually coming together in itself. Because I tell you what I said, like, it's not easy to just put somebody who's like 50 years old, somebody at 21. Toppings will be really, really different. And I think some of the staff might not be easily understood as well. But there's always middle ground that we can find itself. Yep, definitely. And I think I, I've had this conversation with a few other, you know, sales leaders or just leaders. And I think a big topic on culture is accountability. And accountability goes both ways. So whether it's top down and bottom up. So it's really important for your team, your your staff to kind of be comfortable enough to call out when you are not doing things that align with the culture and that's very hard to find maybe it's a partly an Asian culture traditional Asian culture where you don't really speak up but I think the youth nowadays are a lot more vocal they are a lot more precise in terms of knowing what they are willing to stand for and what they're not which is I think a really exciting thing for youth nowadays and it's a very underrated quality that they bring to teams Absolutely, and and I think I think it's a it's a bane or a boon depending on how you actually play it. For me, I think it's a really good thing because as much as you know, 
there are senior people in the company, senior in terms of number of years of working, or you know, just by sheer rank in the company, it's extremely important to note that everybody, right, has new things to learn and new things to contribute. And there are things that we will not be aware of, right? Um, and that's that's why for me, from the very interview that I do with people, like when I'm interviewing a candidate, I will ask them at the end of the interview, um, and then any candidate has interviewed with me would have gone through this uh, from Mel order all the way to, to Cosmos, right? Is that I will ask them about to give me a score out of out of uh, out of six, right? Um, how 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 did they feel about it? Do they feel it was done well? Do they felt that it was not done so well? How can I improve in it? Everybody would would, uh, would would get that, especially if it's on the final interview in itself. It allows me to understand where would I ha- can I improve on to ensure that we are really spending that one hour or the one and a half hours in a most progressive and productive way because they are giving your time to interview them, right? You They have a certain level of quality. That's why they're in th- that call or that meeting. But you need to also allow them not to just ask them, not, not for them to ask just questions, but also for them to score you and give feedback. So that's something I believe in. And as they come in, they really know that that's the culture. I want to have accountability, not only from you to me, but from me to you, right? And that's kind of what we do. At Posmos, we do uh, NPS scores. Some net promoter scores uh, across different kind of stuff. Some people think about net promoter scores more from, for example, customer to your company. We do much more than that. We, we do it in, in the teams, the individual teams at the company across the different countries. Uh, we get feedback on our all-hand session and all that in terms of how we are conducting it. Are we really, is it really a need to, to spend three hours on an all-hand session listening to somebody talk about something that might not be so useful? So we constantly improve in that. And I would say in the last uh, one year or so, uh, we have gotten uh, much, much better to ensure that we are getting uh, most things done in a short amount of time because of that as well. Okay. Fantastic. And the funny thing you mentioned about the NPS scores, it's actually something we do ourselves internally. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, we do. It's like uh, we, we get our our candidates to, you know, rate us in terms of how we've done for them and what we've been able to do for them. We get clients to do it for us. We get them to do it for the client. So it has a lot more value to everyone in the process to know that, you know, we are working towards a common goal. And, you know, if there's real room for improvement, we'll, we'll take that feedback and work. Perfect, perfect. We're in the same room then. <laughs> Physically and also like from a, from a strategy perspective, that is very important. Yeah, and I think a lot of companies can can maybe think about that in itself uh, because it really would help also to to really uh, engage like the youth much more. And I mean, the, the, it's gonna they are gonna be the up and coming stuff. Tech is gonna be here. Let's not even talk about Web three now, right? <laughs> Tech is gonna be here. Web three is gonna be here. Blockchain is gonna be here. These are all the people who who will be your 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 talents now and in time to come they're going to be your leaders now and in time to come we need to make sure we engage them we need to make sure that we are accountable to them so that they are accountable to us as well yeah exactly and I guess you know for for a lot of for, for I guess for the different types of people you have in your team right um, the way you have to manage them is also quite different whether they're more junior you need more support if you're more senior more autonomy so I guess how do you balance that I think I think um, if we were to simply do a a categorization by age, that wouldn't be fair to the to the person. Right? Why I say that is 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 this right? There are, there can be somebody who is just twenty one. You know, uh, might not have a might not have even gone to university. Might have finished university. I'm not sure, right? But they can have a very high caliber of uh, firstly hard work, 
right mentality, attitude, and also the moment they work on that, right, um, they would be able to learn very quickly, right? When they learn very quickly, they are very serious, they're very focused, they're hyper-focused, they can be really good. Mu- sometimes much more effective than the person that is maybe has 15 years of experience. I've seen that many times. But then again, it can be the other way around. So it's, it's, it's difficult to just categorize people by age, but, you know, it, we have to somewhat categorize it, right? I would say that we need to kind of, for me, I see it this way, right? Is the person a maverick, right? Or is that person a general crowd type of person at that point in time? Or is the person kind of a lagger? You have matrices, uh, pretty simple uh, matrices put in place for things like culture, you know, uh, uh, OKRs on, for example, are they finishing up the task? Are they reaching out the X amount of clients? Depending on what they're doing, right? Are they, are they able to deliver a certain amount of results? Let's say they are in like a marketing team or if they are in, for example, an operations team. Uh, within a month, you get a sense. Within three months, you can most of the time get somewhat a good idea of what things are. And based off that, right, you would then choose how much time you want to spend with the person. But you are right to say that, like, especially if it's fresh grads, they have never touched, it. like, for example, sales or certain kind of roles before. It's extremely important for managers, direct managers especially, to spend a much more time with them. But that should taper out, right? I would say generally at the beginning, it should be 80 20. So 80 times, if you're a manager, right, 80% should be down to managing. 20% you do your own thing. And as every week and month passes, it should taper, taper down to around 70%, 60 50%. And at the end of the day, 80% should be you uh, doing your own thing, 20% they do, uh, you manage them. That's kind of how you need to do uh, from a kaleidoscope perspective. And if somehow in between it's being stuck, find out a solution. Uh, because the blueprint and the goal is the same, find out a solution. If the solution is not working, means that something is misaligned. And that's where some of the problems start to happen. And we need to solve it quickly. Definitely. Yep. So, I think, you know, we've had a really good discussion today. Uh, I'll, I'll end it off with one, question, one last question for you. Uh, what do you look for when you are hiring for your teams right now? I think that uh, the number one thing, whether you're in, you know, products, sales, marketing, or whatever, right, is culturally, I do a good fit, right? Like, like I mentioned this this before, culture is strategy for breakfast. I really, really mean it, right? Like, I love, sometimes it has become quite of a, quite a buzzword that people use, but they don't really understand what it means. It's not saying that strategy is not important. Strategy is so important, but if people do not feel loved and safe, they do not feel backed by the leaders, by the company, by the product, uh, they don't feel a sense of mastery, whatever level of mastery that is, then strategy will not be followed. They will not follow your strategy, right? But in order for certain, there are, there are, there are most people should be able to fit general cultures, right? They might not be the culture barrier ambassador, but they should be able to follow a culture. No, they shouldn't be in your company. So number one is that are they able to, to fit into the culture that you want to inculcate so that the whole company will enjoy being around each other. They will fight the war together. They will enjoy great times with a pint of beer together or a glass of wine. If you don't like alcohol, there's also coffee. Uh, that's really the most important thing. After that, right, the other criteria will go down into a uh, key scope of the, the person, but we will first have like, our key principles in Cosmos. Um, but I think one thing, if I may say it also on the general scope across different teams is this, right? We need somebody that is hungry. You know, we are, we from a startup, we are skilled up now. Um, 
people who are super super hungry to go for things right ambitious passionate but the good thing is that we can find a lot of people like that the difficult thing to find right is the partner of drive and hunger and what is that that is basically the endurance how are you gonna have that drive right how are you gonna have that flame flaming all the time how is the oxygen gonna be there so that your flame is, is, is flaming all the time that's where your consistency and your so-called uh, resilience comes in this is very important yeah so those are the key things in general I don't want to go down the specific scope that I, that I look for in itself okay fantastic so you know Cosmos is growing uh, it's a very very exciting time we are very excited and we, uh, we look forward to adding value to you know, our Kai Kai customers, our merchants, our users in Singapore. We hope to be able to, to also launch in some other countries. And also we are uh, launching other businesses, which I'm very uh, uh, excited about. Cosmos Media, now that the world's open up as well, we are super, super excited to also add value to you know, our current pool of clients and also to expand the larger pool of clients. Because on Cosmos Media side, we work with a lot of like the travel retail brands. Um, and and uh, one of our key expertise is is how do we actually help uh, uh, businesses attract certain type of clients? A lot of people want to get like Chinese travelers because they 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 are uh, much more mature now. They want to spend uh, and you know it's been knocked down for the last three years, right? So this is an area whereby we are working very hard on. We have partners as well uh, on ground. We have teams, as you mentioned, uh, in France, in Japan, etc. Um, and we look forward to not only making money but also to add significant amount of value to the entire ecosystem and we hope to be able to work with uh, anybody that wants to add to that ecosystem uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or uh, or uh, other modes if you find me on, on a conference or something we'll, we'll be happy to speak yeah alright awesome all the best in your future endeavors uh, all the best to the company and I look forward to seeing much more success and uh, folks that's all the time we have for today so thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you on the next one Thank you.